Welcome to True Story, the public relations podcast, a space where we get a peek behind the scenes of brands and businesses that have a real story to tell. Because in today's world, we are done with perfect and fake. We want to support brands that aren't afraid to show their true colors. I'm your host, Whitney Lee, the founder of True Story PR, an agency focused on helping businesses show up authentically through their social media, PR, and more. We pride ourselves on always keeping it real. Are you ready? Let's do this. Everyone, welcome back for another episode. Today, we have an amazing interview. I'm really excited. So today, we're going to have a guest that I know through a group called Brand Builders Group. I'm excited to be a part of. It's led by some pretty amazing people based out of Nashville named Rory Vaden. Rory and AJ Vaden, husband and wife duo. So they have uh, a a huge network of business owners all over the nation. Uh, It's a really great group. And so I'm so excited to get connected today and introduce you guys to Patricia Nowakowski. She is the owner of Opulent Beauty. Mm -hmm. Uh, She's also a business and mindset coach. So a little bit of background about Patricia. Um, She, in the last two decades, she's built a lucrative brand and gained extensive knowledge in business leadership. So she owns six salon suites and opulent beauty salon, which is a successful eight chair commission salon. Uh, She's a skilled course creator for her second company, the Opulent Beauty Pro, and she's helped stylists all over the US and Canada work less and make more money behind the chair. I think that's what everybody's trying to do in their career. So she's also a business coach that specializes in leadership, marketing, and recreating salon culture, which is a lot about what we're going to talk about today. So welcome to the show, Patricia Nowakowski. I'm so excited to be here today. And thank you so much for inviting me as a guest. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So I know I just kind of went over some of the highlights of your life, but every entrepreneur has a story, you know, of how you got where you are today. So Give us a little background about you and how you got in this industry and all the good things. So I have been in the industry for 20 years and I started off my career in a very toxic salon environment uh, for the first 10 years of uh, my career my portion of the career was in a commission salon. And in this salon, there was a lot of bullying and just a lot of uh, unfair treatments, which pushed me to leave and start my own salon because I wanted to create an atmosphere and an environment for stylists to thrive and to really create a community and a positive culture for people in our industry. I love it. Mm -hmm. That's so awesome. And, you know, even just being a guest in salons. Okay. First off, that's like totally the, um, the reputation is like, you know, even on movies that you go into the salon and you see everybody gossiping and, um, or they're like telling their life story to the, the salon owner. So, um, I can totally see how that's a thing. So what were some of the, the, you know, you open your own salon. Did you see that like coming with some of the stylists that you brought in? So I think um, in my industry, it's pretty standard where there's a lot of gatekeeping. There's a lot of ego that's involved where people are kind of living in scarcity mindset. So they think that there's not enough clients to go around. They don't want to share their formulas. They don't want to share tips and tricks. Um, They get jealous. So they end up having a lot of bullying qualities. 
um, which can really defeat your culture and really bring down your business. One one bad apple in your business can decrease your productivity by at least 40 percent. And I think it starts from the top down. So it really starts with leadership. And a lot of salon owners don't know how to be a true leader because they're just hairstylists opening a salon. And they never really had a good example of what great leadership looked like. A lot of uh, stylists leave their salons because of toxic practices and because of toxic leadership. So when they go off on their own, they really just end up repeating the same behavior because they've never had the positive outlook or um, they've never really had that kind of atmosphere to really go off of. So it's a lot of repeated behavior because they don't really know how to make changes. Yeah, it's almost like growing up in a household with toxic parents or toxic family dynamics. You grow up and you repeat the same thing because that's normal to you, right? Mm-hmm. Or or you don't know any better, which is such a shame for the industry. Yeah, it's a really it's really a shame. I I think it's a blessing in disguise for me because it's really what catapulted me into you know, who I am today and where I am today. Um, just to tell a little story, when I first started out doing hair. At my old commission salon, I was a new stylist. There wasn't very much training and each one of us had a number. So I was number 49 and I'll never forget that number. I was sitting in the break room and all the girls were talking uh, negatively about number 49 and how bad number 49 was at doing hair. And I was number 49. And no one knew who it was because we were just a number. I mean, there were hundreds of stylists in this company because he had multiple salons. Um, but that really catapulted me to be better. And it really pushed me into a path of education and self-growth. And I really had the option to either one, give up on myself or push to the next level. And luckily I had that mindset to push to the next level and say, you know what, maybe I'm not great, but I can become great. And that's what I did. While the 10 years I was there, I literally took every class I could. And that was technical business mindset. And after 10 years, I just kind of like came to a place where I was like, I'm not going to accept this behavior anymore. And I decided to leave. And now I have a big company, you know, where I really provide so much opportunity for younger girls in our industry where they can actually love what they do every day and not have to worry about going into work and feeling negative, negative vibes. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. And I think that just goes to show like, okay, first off, kudos to you for like pushing through that, because especially when you're young, you know, when we become like mature women, then we're just, it's easier to like roll things off. But when you're young like that, and you're already like new, but I think that's the difference in, and I tell my team this all the time, like the difference between a job and a career, mm-hmm. a job is just something that you're like, I got to make some money. I just got to get by a career is like something you want to learn and you want to grow in and you want to be the best, you know? So, uh, one thing that really stuck out about your stuff to me is like, how do they earn more money? Because I think that, um, the beauty industry, especially like when you're a stylist, I mean, yeah, you can get an assistant, but at some point you're going to run out of hours in the day. Mm-hmm. And so once you do that, you can raise your prices, but you can only raise your prices so high. So like eventually you just run out of like you hit a ceiling, right? 
So did you ever hit that point? So um, currently, like right now, I charge $150 an hour behind the chair, which is a lot for a hairstylist. And I think when you know how to market your business, when you are professional, when you're really client focused and provide a lot of value and you create demand, you can really charge whatever you want. So I currently no longer double book. There was a time in my career where I thought the only way to make more money was to get more clients. So I had a low rate and I was, you know, taking two to three clients at a time with an assistant. And that just led to burnout and it led to overwhelm and it led to me no longer being in love with the industry anymore. So I went through coaching and I worked with a coaching program and they pressed me to really get myself to a place that was more elevated. And now I charge $150 an hour and I take one client at a time, but you have to earn it. You have to earn that dollar amount. You have to really create value and really create, like I said, you have to create that demand. But another thing that I really teach my students and my team is to focus on high-end luxury services. So in my salon, we're all extension focused. So our service, you know, our service totals aren't just like $150, like our, you know, tickets are $2,000, $1,500, $1,000. So I can have two stylists do, you know, three extensions in a day. And, you know, our revenue for the day could be up to six, $7,000. So yeah. I think, yeah, it's focusing on the right services, too, and not just kind of taking everything that will, you know, fall into your lap. Yeah, that honestly, that's the same thing in my business, too, is like when I first started out, I'd do anything and everything. Mm-hmm. And over the years, you're like, no, this is what I enjoy most. This is what's most profitable. This is what feels good to me. Yeah, it's um, it's powerful, too, because I really press my team to focus on marketing and focus on social media. And when my team members do what I say, and that sounds so like, you know, pushy, micromanagey, but really when they take the tools and the skills I give them, they can have a full book of business in six months. But they have to, like you said, treat it like a career. You can't treat it like a job. Yeah, absolutely. It's long term. So for if there's a stylist listening or we have a lot of marketing and PR people that listen to the podcast, what would you say are the best strategies if they're in a rut or if their salon that they're representing is in a rut? Like, where do you even begin? So I think niching down, finding a service that your team loves and that you love and something that makes you unique, which I think is where a lot of salon owners and stylists hit a brick wall because they feel like everyone does the same thing. And in reality, everyone can do the same service, but it's your own personal, authentic touch that makes it unique to you. Having a really solid brand, a really solid mission and a vision is also something that's really powerful. When you have a solid mission statement, when you have a solid vision and when you have really, really strong core values, you're going to attract the right type of clients to your business. And when you have the right type of clients, they're going to be raving fans and they're going to bring the business to you because they love you so much because they align with everything that you do. And then do the work email marketing, showing up on social media. If you're a salon owner, you should be showing up in your stories. Your team should be showing up, um, you know, really hitting all of the areas, taking advantage of all the free things that Google offers. There's, you know, so many people who don't utilize the My Google, you know, business page. If you set that up properly, that can boost your SEO. Doing blogs and sharing that on Facebook, 
using Facebook. I think a lot of this younger generation thinks Facebook is dead, but it's not. There's a whole untapped audience there that, you know, it's more of like an older audience. But those are the people in our target market because those are the people that want extensions and can afford extensions. So really knowing where to find your audience, I think, is really important, too. Yeah, Facebook groups are still crushing it Mm -hmm. more than anything. I mean, if you don't even engage on anything else on Facebook, the amount of niche you can find, even if you're looking for, if you live in Chicago, you're looking for women in Chicago, you know how many Facebook groups are out there with these women in it? You know, women who brunch Chicago or shoppers of Chicago. I, I guarantee there are thousands of women hanging out in these groups. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of like neighborhood groups too, like, you know, women of Burridge or, you know, that's a local area or, you know, um, moms of Payless and it's all moms. And those are the groups that you need to get into. And a uh, granite, like you have to follow the rules or you can get removed from the group, but there's a way to go about it. Like you can say, Hey, I'm doing hair for free and pick five people from the group. And instead of, you know, like asking them to pay, just be like, Hey, can you post in this group for me saying, Hey, I love so-and-so really did my hair. Didn't she do a beautiful job? And they're doing it for you in a way that's not going against the rules. So you just have to be, you know, you just have to be smart about the way that you go about, you know, utilizing those group, but it's definitely so powerful. Yeah. Before and afters too. I Mm -hmm. mean, nothing sells it more than like you showing your skills, right? The, I'll, I'll watch the before and afters on everything all day long. You know, we, we represent an interior designer as well. The before and after kills it every time, you know, the before and after on hair, Also, it's just so relaxing sometimes to watch those hair videos when they're like painting on the color. It is. It's it's really it's um, very therapeutic. I feel like even doing it, it's very therapeutic. I feel like it is a one of the reasons why I love doing hair. Yeah. So and then you also do courses, right, too? Yeah. So um, I have uh, my own education company. So it's called Opulent Beauty Pro. And what that is, is a mastermind and a membership for salon owners and their team. And we really focus on shifting the mindset and consciousness around the salon owners. And we also have in the group pretty much everything that they need to systemize and really make their business more streamlined and um, make it easier. So a lot of salon owners will end up, you know, working 40 hours a week behind the chair because their revenue is what's supporting the salon and it doesn't give them time to really work on the business. So they're stuck working in the business. Mm -hmm. So in my course, what we have is we've got like an operations manual they can use to make, you know, to copy and paste and make their own. We've got captions. We have real ideas. We've got training for their team. We've got extension training for their team. Um, We have, you know, all sorts of forms that they can use, surveys that they can put together, email marketing templates. So really, it just takes all of the stress out of marketing for their business because they don't have time. And once they start marketing for their business, then they can start generating revenue in other ways or filling their team's books where they can kind of, you know, lessen their own hours behind the chair to really kind of focus on their own business. Yeah. So for people who aren't in the industry, I I know that obviously you and I know this, but like, There's commission salons and then there's also like chair rental salons. Is there a different strategy for those two? Because commission salons, right, the salon is promoting their stylists. And then the chair rental, it's kind of like every man for themselves. Uh Yeah. So commission salon owners are help. They help build a team. So they really help market. They do everything for their their team members. They order color products. 
the person just literally has to show up to work. They have to do hair and then, you know, be artistic and then they can go home and have an amazing personal life. When you're a chair rental, it's more so like you're renting a space. So it's almost like renting an apartment. So you just pay a monthly fee. You can do your clients, but you're responsible for all of the things in your business, your own marketing, your own color orders, your own, you know, bookings, uh, you know, really just communicating with clients. So in turn, you might make a little bit more money if you are really good at budgeting when you're doing rental. But in reality, when you break down how many hours you're working outside of work, it really isn't, it's not much more than just working at a commission salon. Interesting. Okay. So for somebody just starting out in the industry, do you think commission's the way to go? I think the commission, I think commission's the way to go for everybody. Um, I had a rental salon for a little bit, so I was commissioned. I switched to rental because I had some chaos happen in my life. And then I ended up switching back to commission um, because I think it really depends on what you want in your life. If you want to open your own salon, absolutely 100% rent a chair rent a suite that's going to give you that baseline of knowledge that you need to know to really start to grow your own business. But if you're somebody who wants to focus on your family and you want a, like a social life and you don't want to have to think about work outside of work and you, you don't want to have to think about unhappy customers, then commissions for you. So I think it just depends on personal goals. And I think it depends on what you want for your future to help you make that decision. So um, a lot of my girls, like they like commission because then they can go out and hang out with their friends. They don't have to deal with clients, you know, bothering them at home. They don't have to worry about responding on their days off. They don't have to worry about going to the color store or doing color orders or inventory. They just show up to work and they have fun. They do hair and they go home. So I think it just depends on your path. Yeah, absolutely. And where you're at in life, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. I think that makes a huge difference. Yeah, absolutely. So is there anything else, you know, if um, a salon, you know, maybe they they are so strapped for time, like if they could only do, you know, one or two things to promote themselves, like what do you think are the most important things that they should do? I think definitely showing up on social media, utilizing video, you doing if you're going to use Facebook, doing live video. It's live video is so powerful. Any sort of video is so powerful because that's going to build trust. It's going to create connection and it's going to really catapult and, you know, push that client into your salon. I remember there we do a lot of extensions. So there was a time where I was going live on Facebook almost every day on our business page. Not my favorite thing to do, but super effective. And I would do videos on products that you should use for your extensions to prolong your investment because extension hair, if you don't take care of it, can break down quickly. We're not going to go into that. And there was a woman, I literally posted a live video and 30 minutes later, she showed up at our salon. Oh never commented, never like I would never even knew that she was watching, but she's like, you know, I watch all of your videos and I'm not ready to leave my stylist yet, but I've learned more from you than I have from my stylist that I've been with for 16 years on my extensions. And she bought all the products that I recommended. Six months later, she ended up being a client of the salon. So I think the content you put out is really important too. educating, adding value, um, you know, being entertaining. Those are the things that are going to really push people to your business. And when people feel like they know you, then they're going to trust you and then they're going to want to support you. And I think that's one thing that's really powerful. So many people are so 
afraid to put themselves out there. They're so afraid to, you know, show face or show who they are. And in reality, that's what's going to make you busy. And that's what's going to bring in the revenue. That's going to bring in a team, too. Yeah, so. they call it Facebook. I always tell my clients, they call it Facebook for a reason because your face needs to be in it. Mm-hmm. People connect with people and they want to work with somebody that they feel like they know. And you've got to just be yourself. If you want to call in the right people, right? You've got to totally just be yourself and, and put yourself out there. So. And I really push like social media is a non-negotiable for me in my salon. If you cannot do social media, you can't work for me because you're not going to you're not going to build and you're just going to be taking up space in my salon and you're going to be wasting my time and you're going to be wasting your time. If you don't want to do social media, go to a salon that's going to, you know, like a Supercuts or like a fantastic, fantastic Sam. They're just going to fill your your schedule. Right. So, I mean, there have been times where people have come into our salon and they're like, oh, my God, I feel like I know everybody or like they've never met a stylist in person. They'll be like, oh, my gosh. Hi, Mel. I, you know, like, you know, because they see all of these people showing up in our stories, videos on our feed, videos on our Facebook page. So they truly feel like they're already a part of the salon, even though they may have not been there yet. And, you know, it's so funny, too, because I was literally at a Easter brunch and somebody came up to me and she's like, oh, my gosh, I watch all of your videos. And I was like, oh, this is kind of awkward because, you know, I'm at brunch with my family. And she's like, yes, you're like the extension queen. I love all the stuff that you put out. And I was like, oh, so, you know, it's just like people people want to watch those things. So why not give people the things that they want and create a business out of it? And, Absolutely. you know, generate revenue from just being yourself, having fun. Yeah. So what do you think is next? Like what's coming next in the industry of hair and beauty? And, you know, I feel like our industry is changing so much. I feel like, you know, before it was the salon's reputation that really brought people in. And I think through COVID and I think through, you know, the lack of uh, connection in people's personal lives has really shifted the way that they consume all sorts of things uh, that they purchase. Right. So I think instead of salons really bringing and having a strong brand, it's the stylist that brings the clients in. And that's what sells. People choose a salon not because of the salon name anymore, but because of the person working there. So I think having a strong personal brand is so important no matter where you are and what stage you're in in your career in this industry, because people are choosing you not just for the work that you do, but because of the way they feel connected to you. It could be something as simple as having the same dog or the same cat breed, or it could be, you know, drinking the same, you know, Starbucks drink or, you know, them just like watching your life a day in your life and like just like love what you do every day. That's what's going to push somebody to sit in your chair. It's not going to be the pretty hair you post or the salon that you work at. So I think that's really where it's shifting. I also think that people are putting value on different things. You know, they are putting value on their time, uh, experiences, the way that they spend their day to day and everyday happiness. So the things that they used to really uh, invest in are just not as important anymore. So you really have to make sure that you're providing value and an experience because that's what people want. The, you know, the importance of getting your hair done every six weeks is, is gone. 
It's yeah. like, how can I make this as long, it lasts as long as possible? Because I don't want to waste, you know, four hours in the salon every six weeks because I have more important things to do and more valuable things going on. Yeah. So instead of making it feel like this necessity, like make it feel like a luxury. Mm-hmm. And when, you know, and again, walking into an environment that's like good vibes and happy people and zero drama, people pick up on that. And it's like, they look for, I, I look forward to hair day for mm-hmm. sure. Me too. So, it's so fun. And fun fact, I actually found my stylist. I mean, I've been in my area for 15 years, right? So I know a ton of stylists. I know every salon in the area, all that. And I found my stylist, um, through Instagram and I just saw her work and I was like, Oh my God, she rocks. Um, and that's how I found her and I've been with her ever since. So, you know, shout out to Rachel Pravat at the salty spoon because her Instagram stuff is working. I love that name of the salon too. That's great. Yeah. And I think that's one thing too, like so many stylists are afraid to put their work out there because they're so super critical and they compare themselves to, you know, maybe you have a two years, you know, stylist comparing themselves to somebody who's been in the industry for 10 years. Like you're, you're not going to be at that point because you haven't experienced all those things yet. So I think a lot of stylists hold themselves back because they're, uh, too judgmental of their, you know, of their work when in reality, like, that's where you're at and where you're at is where you're going to attract the clients that are wanting where you're at. So it's important to keep just, just, just keep posting. Yeah. Where you are is a fit for somebody else. So, Mm -hmm. well, I love asking every entrepreneur that I have on the show. I love asking them this question. So at everybody's journey and owning a business, I think we all have hit a moment where like, we hit a wall where we're like, I can't do this anymore. Or maybe this isn't meant for me. Or like, I'm not going to get through this. This challenge is too big. Like this is where it ends. This is where it all ends. I should just pack up and go be a, you know, a stylist at another salon. Like I should just quit. Did you have that moment? I've had a couple of those moments. I mean, there are times in the last 20 years where I have just, you know, second guessed my entire existence in this industry because it's a hard. Um, There was one moment where I had gone on maternity leave and um, I was actually on maternity leave, which means that at that time I was bringing in a lot of revenue. So the revenue that I was bringing into the salon was non-existent because I was at home with my new baby. And my top stylist came to my house and she quit while I was on maternity leave. And that was the point where I kind of just like was like I threw my hands up. I'm like, I can't do this anymore. And, you know, it was the end of the year. So I owed taxes. I ended up I had to empty out my entire savings because I didn't, you know, um, pay my quarterlies. It was the not the proper amount. So I had zero in savings. Um, And I was just like, you know, I was a new mom. I was scared. And that's when I switched my salon to rental because I was like, I just threw my towel in. I was like, this is just not for me. I was so stressed out, losing sleep. And if it wasn't for going through coaching and investing in myself and understanding that I was the problem in my business, it wasn't my team. My team was not the problem. It was me. And when I actually had a mirror reflecting all of the things that I was doing wrong because I had an outside perspective kind of, you know, handing me my, you know, my butt, I was like, oh man. And that's when I was like, okay, so I made a mistake. I need to switch back to commission. I need to change everything that I'm doing with my mindset, my leadership, um, just my structure. And I started over again and I started 
building back up the commission salon. And now I have an amazing team. I have so many different facets to my business. I do hair when I want. I'm taking home six figures. Um, and I have so much flexibility and freedom. And it is amazing. It's amazing that I've created this business. I was actually just thinking today and I was kind of in awe. You know, you see those posts where you're like, you know, where you are today is where you dreamed about, you know, being five years ago. And I am, I have exactly what I wanted, you know, or what I dreamed for five years ago. And when you think about that, it's just like, you know, you're grateful for the hardship. You're grateful for all the experiences because without those, you wouldn't be who you are today. Yeah. So absolutely. things That's may, so cool. yeah, things may seem so scary and may seem like your darkest time, but it's really those dark times that bring the light. Yeah. Every challenge prepare, prepares you for the next thing you're about to face. So, yeah. and I think every entrepreneur has that moment where you're just like, maybe this isn't made for me. You know, somebody asked me, um, on my Instagram, like what was my biggest fear in being a business owner? And I said, I think my biggest fear I had two, but one of them was the fear of the unknown, you know, mm -hmm. like we don't know what's coming tomorrow and that's scary, but I've made it through every challenge in the past, haven't I? And so have you. Yeah. You know? So you just got to like, at some point you got to grow enough faith in yourself of being like, I figured it out every other time and I'm going to figure this one out too. Even if my house burns down, I will figure it out, you know? You know, it's so funny because those dark moments just grow your capacity for success. And when you have those hard times and you take those risks, that's when that capacity grows and grows and grows. So the more things come to you, the less difficult they are because you've already gone through so many crazy things. Yep. So that's another thing, like the more you, you know, that you work through, uh, you know, the easier it truly does become, which, you know, if somebody is going through a hard time right now, probably doesn't want to hear that, but it's the, it's the truth. Yeah. And it's always just, it's always for the greater good. It, <clears throat> I always just say, you got to hold on tight and just like the only way to get through it is to go through it, you know, mm -hmm. and, and you'll make it out. You just can't give up. So well, yeah. I love what you're doing in the beauty industry. It's amazing. And I'm a huge believer in coaching. Um, you know, I actually hired my first business coach in 2020, right before all of the madness happened. I think I paid $15,000 to work with her. And it was the biggest, scariest thing I've ever put on my credit card before. But you know what? 2020 was my biggest year in business. Mm -hmm. And I made I made all that money back and then some. 2021 mm -hmm. hired a different business coach. Guess what? Biggest year in business. 2022, we doubled and I had another business coach. Like I will always invest in coaching because I've changed my mindset from it being an expense to being an investment. Uh, and, and it's worth every penny. So yeah, that's what I, uh, I was just saying this the other day about education. When you have, you know, when you make an investment in yourself, um, it's, it's something that can never be taken away from you. That mm -hmm. shift in perception, that mindset growth, um, it really doesn't go away. So it's almost addicting actually, cause you just keep on expanding, expanding, expanding and finding, yeah. I think the right coach is key. So you really have to find the right person, um, and somebody who understands you, your business and how to make changes to grow. Um, but Definitely. I, there's a lot of coaches out there, 
You know, like I always tell people, I'm like, look for somebody who has done what you are trying to do. You know, like a 19 year old life coach, get out of here. No, like you you haven't been, you know, like I, I started seeking out someone that had worked in agency life and knew that model really well. And it, and it, I mean, gosh, and I've worked with other coaches too, that were more mindset related too. Um, but yeah, I think people get wrapped around the fact of I'm going to pay this person and what am I receiving? They're like looking for something tangible, but like the intangible is actually the most valuable thing you're getting. Yeah. It's just a shift in mindset. And I think too, like do the work, you know, a lot of, I think people think it's like the magic card, but in reality you have to do the work in order to see the results. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to sign up for coaching, make sure that you're ready to get dirty. And really kind of, you know, take charge and make the changes you need to make in order to see the result that you want. You know, and I had some coaches that like made me change the way I was like pricing things. And I was so uncomfortable, not just like raising my prices, but like the way I structured my pricing and I would present it because I was so comfortable when I would pitch to clients. Um, I was so comfortable in the way I had the pricing position and they like totally threw me for a curveball. And I was like, this is a bad idea. This is a terrible idea. I shouldn't do this. Um, and I went for it and it changed everything. So, yeah, you know, sometimes you got to get outside of your own head of thinking like, I know what's best, but there's also a good balance of like what feels right on the inside. But, you know, we can't let our emotions get in the way sometimes of, you know, what we actually need to do. I think the accountability and the push is also something that is just so valuable when you're working for a coach. I too had to change my pricing. I switched to hourly pricing. Um, and that was the hardest shift I had to make. I literally was like, I felt like I was going to throw up, but it ended up being the best thing for my business. And if I hadn't had a coach to push me, I would have never have made that change. Yep. Absolutely. Well, I'm so glad you got to come on the show today. I do want you to tell everybody if they're interested in learning more about you or your salon or how to work with you as a coach, tell us where they can find you and all your details. So you can find me at opulentbeautypro.com. That's my website with all of my coaching and my programs and the different things that we offer. And then you can find me on Instagram, which is Patricia underscore Nowakowski underscore OBS. Um, that's a long one, but, um, there's no, nobody else who's going to take that. Right. So, um, those are usually the two places. My DMS are always open to anyone who has questions about, you know, shifting their salon or shifting their mindset when it comes to being in our industry. And I just love helping other salon owners and just, um, stylists in general. So DMS are always open. Love it. And we'll drop her links in the show notes um, just so you guys can easily find her. So Patricia, thank you. Thank you so much for coming today. It's so awesome to chat beauty with you. Thank you so much for having me today. It was so fun. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. If you loved what you heard, please take a moment to screenshot this episode and share it to social media using hashtag true story PR or better yet, write us a five-star review on Apple podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you tune in. See you next time for another true story.